Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. It's the same name as my new book, and we're counting down the days until the election. And uh, it's just barely over 60 days, and as everyone is saying, this is the election of our lifetime. My guest today is Pastor Jack Hibbs from the Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, He has a very high profile nationally. He was just in this uh, magnificent documentary called Trump 2024, which you need to see if you haven't seen it. And we're just going to talk about what's going on in our country. So I'll start by welcoming you to my podcast. Thank you for taking time. I know you have your own podcast. In fact, um, within the last hour, I got an email about this thing that you're hosting with Dennis Prager out in California, kind of a roundtable for pastors. So maybe that's a good place for us to start. What, what is going on with Dennis Prager and what's going on out there in California? Well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me on your podcast today. Yeah, first, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, and I'm, I know, obviously, his program is syndicated nationally, but Dennis Prager is a profound uh, culture warrior for the conservative uh, view and for religious freedom. And it's on those two topics where our lives intersect. He being Jewish, me being a Christian, we come together often and speak at events because we stand united together in the Judeo-Christian worldview value that is inherent to the founding of America. And so for that, we go back to the Pilgrim era, and we have both studied that era and um, Correct. We are warring together to inform California pastors that the hour is now for them to engage the culture and for them to be, uh, quite frankly, bold in their pulpits about the issues that we believe the Bible answers to uh, in our culture. So, yeah. And you're real involved with this whole thing with President Trump. And of course, I've written a couple of books about it and I've done a lot of podcasts uh, but I, but people are interested in it, and this whole evangelicals for Trump. Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that because I saw um, it must have been a podcast, although it was also a video of where you were talking about how could Christians actually support somebody as immoral as Donald Trump. And you know, this is kind of the drumbeat we hear from the other side. Interesting that before he uh, ran for president as a Republican, nobody really paid much attention to his personal life, certainly didn't call him immoral. What do you think this is all about, and and how do Christians answer that charge? Yeah, thanks for the question. Let's back up, first of all, when he was a Democrat and and living a uh, very, very, what's a uh, lack of a word, uh, questionable lifestyle, uh, nobody criticized him while he was a Democrat. I find that interesting. He was Donald Trump. He was the real estate mogul. He was the billionaire. He was the successful man and a very, very generous contributor to the Democrat Party and to Hillary Clinton. Then he becomes a Republican, and the same crew that once tolerated his lifestyle uh, went after his lifestyle. I want to point out that all of us, at least in my understanding as 
You know, I was immoral before I came to know Jesus Christ. And we all have a past. Every single one of us have a past. Here's the great thing about Donald Trump. The people who want to beat that drum, they're beating a very old, worn-out drum because he has been faithful to his wife uh, and he has been faithful to his family uh, for a long time now. So, yes, is he guilty of those sins in the past? Absolutely. Is he the same man today? He absolutely is not. And so when you look at his children, for example, their commitment to him and his commitment to them, uh, the love of that family, it's quite remarkable. And so here's what we need to keep in mind. In fact, you mentioned the documentary uh, regarding Trump 2020 or Trump 2024 is the, is the fact that as citizens, we're not voting for our Messiah. We're not I make mention in that documentary that we are not looking for the Messiah to arrive on Air Force One. We're voting for a president. We're voting for a president, not a Messiah. We're voting for a man who can be trusted regarding what he says and what he does. That's the great thing about Trump is that he's not a career politician. He's a businessman, and the reflection of his efforts have been very obvious for the last uh, three and three-quarter, almost four years now. And so I want to encourage pastors and Christians to take this one issue alone, which is passionate to me. You've got a party uh, that is for life, and you've got a party that is for death. When I say that, I mean you've got Donald Trump, who has already enacted extremely awesome, life-saving pro-life issues, and you've got a, a candidate, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are the exact opposite. As a Christian, I am bound to vote for the Republican platform, which is pro-life, and I'm bound to vote for Donald Trump. And any other kind of vote, or lack thereof, if I don't participate, I'm simply acquiescing to a, a very dangerous policy when it comes to pro-life. On that issue alone, I could argue why the Christian needs to vote for President Trump. I want to ask you something about your church. It's part of Calvary Chapel. Of course, we all remember Chuck Smith and right. seen the growth of Calvary Chapels. And my observation is that Calvary Chapel pastors seem more willing to engage with the culture and what's happening, even when it crosses over into politics, um, than an awful lot of other pastors are. It seems like most pastors kind of... Um, duck their head under their desk or something and kind of hope nobody asks them any questions. Why do you think, and maybe you don't agree with me, but, but I, I think that, that most pastors are being very, very passive, almost acting as if, you know, every four years we have an election, you know, somebody will get elected and this is no different. But this time, the, the difference between Donald Trump on one side and all the things that you said, and there are many, many more. In fact, we right. just saw in the last couple of weeks the difference between the DNC and the RNC conventions. It was just right. the difference between night and day. Uh, Donald Trump is for law and order. The Democrats, other than just a a, a little statement here and there, have uh, either ignored all this violence or even in some cases, some of them have have just said, you know, as long as there's unrest in our lives, there needs to be unrest in the streets. So let me circle back around to my question. My question is, um, and tell me if you disagree with me, but why are so many pastors um, so passive, and what's different about Calvary Chapel that you guys 
and you're you're just one of several who have been very very vocal nationally. Why do you think the right. difference is? I think, uh, and this is great. When I say I think, uh, I'd rather be this bold. I know the reason why that's true is because of biblical doctrine. Calvary chapels, by and large, are known to teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse. Which is what Chuck Smith did for years. Exactly. You're so right. That's what he taught us. And so when you get a complete, full, rounded uh, understanding of Scripture, in other words, Paul the Apostle put it as the full counsel of God, you begin to realize that there are no limits to the uh, manifestation of God's um, of truth. In other words, there's no separation, so to speak, of secular and sacred. So when you study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you see that Isaiah, who was in a political court, was also a spiritual factor of prophecy of input. You look at Daniel, who was in a political court that had tremendous influence in the Babylonian culture. In fact, uh, multiple cultures and multiple kingdoms. Same is true with Jeremiah. Same is true with Ezekiel. My point is that I believe that Calvary Chapel's predominant uh, influence is because what remains today among so many Calvary Chapels is this desire to teach through the Bible, which equips the people that what they're learning is usable on Monday morning, every day of the week, every hour of the day. And we, we teach like that, we live like that, and so there is no off-limits. You know, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, uh, they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. A lot of people know that verse or that passage, but they don't realize that it's a very... Uh, it's a very engaging statement. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. The word implies the secular world, men, men of the world, that in the day of judgment, they will have to confess that you had an impact for what is right by shining the light of the gospel. That's the key today. It's not, well, we're Christians and, and, and we don't talk about politics. No, we're Christians and we let our light so shine before all men, there is no area of life where Christianity is off limits. And uh, I'll, I'll just kind of wrap it up by saying this. Jesus said it, of course, perfectly. When he said, when he held up a coin and he said to the crowd, whose inscriptions on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. You know, in the Western culture, we don't get it. In that culture, they got it. When Jesus said that, he meant Caesar belongs to God, this coin belongs to God, the Roman Empire belongs to God, you belong to God, Caesar, Caesar's palace, Caesar's salad belongs to God. And every <laughs> Jew understood exactly what he meant. It wasn't, oh, that's the secular, and this is the, this is the sacred. Oh, no, no, no. Even... Even Caesar belonged to God. Boy, that's so well said. Let me ask you, since you live out there in California, you know, we're aware of the, in my opinion, draconian uh, measures that your governor, uh, Newsom, has put on the church. And I just did a podcast yesterday with Che On, who down at Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena is being faced with being charged criminally. And yeah. You know, until this whole COVID-19 thing happened and Rodney Howard Brown was actually arrested down here in Tampa, uh, Matt Staver, the Liberty Council, pointed out something that I'd never even thought about, that Rodney was the first pastor ever arrested in America for holding a church service. 
And now it's happened several other places, and then there's all kinds of threats. Why is it that uh, in California you can go to protests, you can go to Home Depot, you can go to the beach, but you can't go to church? This California's, um, and let me be blunt, uh, for decades now, and I, when I say decades, I'm, in, I'm also including Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was governor. Let's be honest. He was Republican only in title, not in, not in his policies. Having said that, California has been under the heel of the Democrat Party for decades. This has now come to roost. And what, what is it? It is a draconian, totalitarian worldview. Gavin Newsom is the personification of what it means to have God out of the party and out of the conscience because he has so dialed down and focused. I mean, even non-believers are commenting over the fact that, boy, he's really got it out for you church people. It is so blatantly obvious. And so this is a warning to the rest of our nation that when good people do not vote, then that void is filled with bad people. And when I say bad people, I'm talking about bad policies. I'm talking about anti-Christ, anti-God policies. And so this great, once great state of Ronald Reagan, if people would remember that, um, has so fallen that we believe right now, I know this is going to sound as a shock to you, but, you know, in fact, I just got back last night from a, about a 1,400-mile road trip throughout California with my family. We have never seen in California this many Trump signs, Trump flags, Trump bumper stickers, Trump hats. Uh, We saw two Biden signs the entire trip. What's going on? California has hit the bottom. I believe if California is ever going to turn around, it's in this November election. Why? Because Newsom has been such a totalitarian governor uh, that it is shocking even the Democrats of this state. Hasn't he ever heard of something called the First Amendment? I mean, these are the things that he quotes for the protesters. And, of course, we all have the freedom of speech, but we all the bedrock right is the freedom of religion and also the freedom of assembly. And the same, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting together in a church is freedom of assembly, as well as I guess people could go to the a Masonic yeah. Lodge or, or you know, the theater or sure. wherever they, else they want to go. But these are bedrock, and our constitutional rights do not or at least yeah. should not go away when there's a health emergency. Where do you think this is going to lead? Well, it's first of all, the, to answer your question, and then where is, is it going to lead, to answer your question is, number one, Newsom sees the First Amendment as something to be interpreted, not applied. In other words, he believes with all of his heart that a rioter and a protester is exercising the First Amendment right. He, he'll defend that. But when a church meets, remember, we've got to remember, we are now, we are currently under the rule where we're not allowed to sing in church. We're not supposed to sing. Nobody's obeying that, but we're not supposed to sing. Why? Because he believes that a church gathering is harmful. It's actually dangerous. It, 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 it weakens the community's ability to beat the curse, to beat COVID. Uh, the interesting reality of that is his, it's a selective application of his interpretation of the First Amendment. He believes that a health issue suspends the First Amendment to a certain group of people. That is absolutely Well, as we said earlier, draconian. It's insane. There is nothing that can suspend the First Amendment, even a health emergency, which, by the way, we have no health emergency in California. 
We have got one of the lowest death rates. That's if you count all of the current numbers that they are saying died of COVID. We've got one of the lowest in the nation. And we've got 40 million people in this state. We're one of the healthiest states in all of this drama. And yet he has selective science and he has selective interpretation. So where is it going to go? I believe uh, it's going in that direction right now. There is a massive statewide recall effort underway in California to have Gavin Newsom removed from office. And certainly if they're not successful at that, he'll be voted out of office uh, in his, uh, when his term is up. I have no doubt ab- about that. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, you voted uh, a governor, wasn't his name Davis, a number of years ago? He was so unpopular. Correct. Uh, you know, that's pretty rare in America, but it can happen. <laughs> you need to re- thank you for bringing that up. People need to remember California has exercised the power numerous times to remove their leaders. And the last, the last one that was found uh, derelict on duty was Gray Davis. And he was literally plucked from office by the California uh, voter when they signed the petition to have him recalled. And that was a powerful movement. So, yeah, you're right. Well, hopefully the this will go through the court. Well, hopefully we'll get over COVID, but it's just scary to me. And I wrote about this in uh, my book, God, Trump, and COVID-19, that some of these measures against the church, uh, it's almost like some of the, the far-left politicians have used yes. it as an opportunity oh. to bash the church yes. in places like, that you wouldn't even expect, like the state of Kentucky, as well as some of the big cities where you might expect it, like Chicago, and and is probably most obvious right. in California. And then you right. have people like John MacArthur, who right. would preach uh, Romans 13 about submit yourself to the authorities, right. and and even he has come out against yes. it. And uh, <laughs> I've not interviewed right. him about it, but the story is that he was just so disgusted that you could have hundreds and thousands of protesters right. with no problem, and that... In fact, uh, here in Florida, we don't have the same problem. Churches were considered to be essential. The thing with Rodney Howard Brown brought it to a head, and the authorities backed down within hours, and our governor said that churches were considered essential. Apparently, I don't know, it had escaped their purview or something. So we haven't had exactly the same problem, but somebody pointed out that you can pass someone in the grocery store safely, but you can't pass the same person in the in the aisle of the church. That somehow it's dangerous, and uh, there's a lot of things worse than getting a virus, in my opinion, and losing our freedoms is one of them. Absolutely, and this is you know we are reaping now from what we've sown for a long time, and that is we have raised an, a people in an educational system void of teaching the birth, for example, of the Mayflower Compact the birth of the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, the Bill of Rights. We've got kids, we've got millennials today who can't even define to you the First Amendment. And so they can't fight for something that they don't even know or were never taught. So we are, it's what, it's what Jeremiah warned about. Jeremiah the prophet said, we have sown to the uh, wind and now it's time to reap the whirlwind. And so we've got to make a fundamental change in how and what teaching our kids in the public school system. No doubt about it. Well, as we wrap up this uh, podcast, 
I want to ask you about the 60 or so days before the election. A lot, a lot can happen, and uh, a lot's already happened. And I know you're a pastor, not a prophet, but with the unrest, with some of the cities on fire, with the whole thing with COVID, um, with Joe Biden even saying that he would put a nationwide mandatory mask rule in, which to me just seems ludicrous, but it doesn't. Right. Is to me that's an inconvenience. It's not the same as not being able to sing in church, because there's right. there's no constitutional right not to wear a mask. But uh, where do you think this is going to end up? Do you want to make any predictions about what's going to happen with this election? Well, listen. Being a mere mortal, <laughs> I would say this: that it it appears that Trump ought to win with a landslide. That's what I would hope to see. That's what ought to happen on all kinds uh, of reasons and angles, from the economy to national safety. When's the last time we heard about terrorist attacks? What about ISIS? What about, look at our 401k. Hey, living in Southern California, the incredible stability that has come to our borders here down in San Diego and along the South, all indicators point overwhelmingly to Donald Trump. However, Sad to say this, but the attempt to manipulate this election and its outcome uh, by uh, mail-in ballot, by manipulation, dare I say by cheating, which is notorious in California by the other team, uh, that concerns me greatly. It very much concerns me. Trump should walk in to another four years. However, I, in light of the Ukrainian issue, the impeachment, Kavanaugh, um, Russia Gate, all of these things uh, that have been perpetrated against Trump, I, um, you know, I hesitate. But logically speaking, this president has accomplished more in four years than even my beloved Ronald Reagan. And for that alone, Trump should be reelected by every voting citizen in this nation. And I agree with you 100%. I say amen and amen. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens. But I want my last question to be more of a spiritual question, because as Christian journalists, we try to deal with this. What is God saying with all this going on? I mean, COVID did not catch God by surprise. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did not catch God by surprise so where do you, what do you think God is saying in this hour, or is this, are all these really bad things kind of God's judgment? Hey, I thank God for your question. Um, my answer is honest. It may not be well-received, it may not be liked, but it's honest. I believe God, who may not have caused COVID, knows all things. He knew this was coming. God uses everything, even if he doesn't cause things. In this situation, my observance has been, that God has used COVID to be a litmus test to the pulpits of America, to the Christian, to, their, to what they profess versus what they're willing to die for. I have seen professing Christians become so comfortable now with not going to church that they will not be going back. They've just become too comfortable in the world. God has used it. I have seen pastors, I will not name some of them, some of them are national, international names, who have said, we will not be opening our church till maybe Easter 2021. 
What in the world is going on? I believe that God is using this to separate the wheat from the chaff. I believe that this is something that can only be healed. And I, I, I hesitate to use this verse because people use it for everything. But God is waiting for Second Chronicles 7.14 to be put into place truly. Not on some banner, not on some little quote, but God is using these issues to get the church to seek his face, to repent of her sins, to get back to the word of God and the authority of scripture and to, and to do the right thing, to do righteousness. And that's what's going on with this COVID thing. It's not, it's not an economic thing. It's not an international thing. It's not a Wuhan thing. It's not a Republican-Democrat thing. It is God shaking this nation to see if the spiritual leaders of this nation will take the church and the country back or to the throne of God. I believe the answer is in the pulpits of America, and you, you might say, well, that's radical. No, you know what I'm doing? I'm quoting almost verbatim Alexa de Tocqueville, who that Frenchman said, I saw America's power and strength, and I didn't see it in her harbors. I didn't see it in her commerce. I didn't see it in her military strength. It wasn't until I went into the churches and saw her pulpits aflame that I found out why America was great. America is great because America is good. And when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. I believe the answer is in the pulpits regarding this COVID issue. Boy, that's a great way to end it. And I appreciate uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, uh, taking time to be on my podcast. And if people want to connect with you somehow. I guess they can just Google your name. There's lots and lots on the internet. How would people connect with you or your church if they wanted to follow up? Yeah, they can certainly, as you said, Google the name, or they could just go to Real Life with Jack Hibbs. They can just Google that, Real Life with Jack Hibbs, and that will take them to just about everything that we're doing um, on the web and beyond. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning into my podcast today. Share this with your friends. Uh, it's people like you who share it. I just found out today that my podcasts are over 4 million so far this year. Wow. And uh, so they're starting to catch on. Thank you for listening and tune in again tomorrow as we cut down the days to the election, the most important election of our lifetime. God bless you. The hypocrisy on the left is astounding. They are so desperate to criticize President Trump that even this worldwide pandemic, they attempt to belittle him and blame him for the crisis. In my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, I go into detail about how I think history will remember our 45th president. History has shown that Winston Churchill was the right man at the right time, yet he was not a popular leader in his day. He was described with some of the same words people have used to describe President Trump. Ruthless, unstable, unsound, and embarrassment, to name a few. But the way the world now looks at Winston Churchill is how I believe history will remember Donald Trump. It was said of Churchill, thank God for a leader like Churchill. He was not polite or polished, but he was used to save many lives in a time of war. America, we are at war with an invisible enemy. 
I thank God Donald Trump is our president. Go to GodTrump2020.com and learn more.